Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike. Kenny Rolano and joining me, as always, is Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia. Fellas, how are we doing on this early dark Monday? I'm not going to get used to the dark Mondays. Yeah, absolutely not a fan of those. And uh, not really a fan of the way that I have to watch the Detroit Pistons every night with the way that they're playing. But uh, we'll talk about them as we tend to do every week here on this podcast. Yeah, I was going to say every Monday is a dark Monday after the Pistons play. Um, wow, boy, it is bad, fellas. I feel like we come on this podcast every single week, and most of what we talk about is just how bad we feel uh, about ourselves and the world for watching the Pistons. And yet, here we are once again. So either we have a problem or the Pistons do. Uh, the real answer, though, is we probably both do because boy, yeah. oh boy, boy, oh boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, I think that's the right answer, that we both have problems. Um, ours are, uh, you know, also equally difficult to fix because we can't stop watching them or the podcast ends. So, and uh, they have multiple years to go before they have all their, you know, issues fixed. So it's a, uh, it's a relationship that is going to batter us, uh, but we're going to stick through it. And, hey, I mean, the worst case, we just listen to some odd stories that Jasper tells, you know, each, each week. And, and that has some value, I hope, to you. Uh, that that is true, Mike. <laughs> here, here's a little behind the scenes. Uh, I'm a sommelier uh, by trade, which means I, I literally drink wine for a living. And I was a couple minutes late to this podcast because I drank a glass of red wine on an empty stomach and, and uh, threw up. So that just goes, to, I think, to show you that, like, we're all confused. We're all making gigantic mistakes in our lives none bigger than watching the Detroit Pistons game in game out even last night I tweeted out as the Pistons were in the midst of getting decimated in the in the third quarter I'm done with this I had I had to wake up early I'm not doing this anymore I'm going to sleep and what did I do I stayed up I watched the rest of the game because we're gluttons for punishment we love this we love this we say we hate it but fellas I think we love this no I think you throwing up is uh is a microcosm for having to watch the Pistons play. I mean, that Sacramento Kings fan just threw up all over the floor and he had to watch the Sacramento Kings. I think there's something to this. Yeah. I don't think it was the wine. I think it was just a late reaction to last night. Right. I think you realize that you have to talk about this team that is four and 16 losers of six in a row with, you know, struggling players and thought, uh Oh, I need, I'm not I even need joking forward. when I say 
right before it happened, I was on the Pistons last six game logs. And so, you know what, gentlemen, you might be onto something because my goodness, it is rough. Uh, We are absolutely going to get into this, but I mean, gentlemen, over the last six games of the Pistons top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight minutes getters in the last six games, two of them, only two are shooting better than 38% from the floor. Of everyone receiving more than 19 minutes a game, only two of them. Frank Jackson shooting 42% from the floor. Jeremy Grant's shooting 41% from the floor. It is, I mean, what do you even say about that? That is abysmal. Everyone with a role on this team right now is struggling. And I'm not talking about this podcast. I'm talking about the Detroit Pistons. It is, it's a slog. It's an absolute slog right now. And it does not have any signs of getting better, unfortunately. Well, we will definitely be getting into all of that and how much of a mess the Pistons are. Uh, But what's not a mess is using Beth online. And BetOnline is back better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. And that will probably include college basketball, which we will be watching a lot of uh, already in preparation for who the Pistons will hopefully get with a very high lottery pick. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Use the promo code BLEAVE50, receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, head on over to the new updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today, and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code BLEAVE50. 50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, fellas, let's get into the first topic of the day, and that is, of course, sadly, talking about the Pistons. I know we didn't think we were going to have to do it on a podcast about the Pistons, but we have to. They're 4-16. and 16. Cade Cunningham is struggling. Sadiq Bey is quite honestly regressing. And Isaiah Stewart is in a little bit of a precarious position, I think, on this roster. And we can get into that later. Um, guys, let's talk about the, the state of this team right now, 20 games in, uh, having just lost to the Los Angeles Lakers last night in La La Land. Um, Aaron, I'm going to start with you uh, because I have a feeling that Jasper may go on for a bit. And I want to let that happen I want to let that percolate like a nice cup of coffee um what is your take right now on the state of this really the organization right now I mean from top to bottom I I think everything is being looked at with a with a magnifying glass yeah I mean I think firstly there was an expectation this offseason that and it, it definitely happened right after the lottery when the Pistons you know, were awarded the number one pick in the draft. It was assumed it w- the pick would be Kate Cunningham and everyone immediately started. And I think at least I know Jasper and I both kind of thought that it was going to be a step forward type of season for the Pistons. They were going to be more competitive. 
you know, they were going to see some of that natural growth of guys who were young on the team last year. I mean, a team that had three first round picks on their roster last season, we were expecting to see uh, some legitimate growth from each of them. You were going to add the number one pick to the team, a guy like Kate Cunningham, who was immediately going to be able to come in and contribute at a high level. And the Pistons had some money to work with in free agency. Not that we were expecting them to go out and sign a top tier name or trade for a big name, but they had some money to work with and, and assemble a roster that was deep. It was versatile. There was, you know, potential to build a more competitive team relative to last year, where you were obviously one of the worst teams in the league and, just in general, it seems as though this team is worse than last year's team somehow, some way. And I think the two guys that I want to talk about primarily here, and I, I we can talk about other players, certainly if Jasper wants to, but the two guys that I want to talk about primarily are Bay and Stewart. I'll, I'll hit on Killian Hayes quickly here because I still don't love everything I'm seeing from him. He is still way too passive with the basketball in his hands, but what he does defensively, the way that he moves the ball, the shots that he sets up for his teammates are certainly high level, but there are still numerous times a game where he has a lane or he's around the rim and he opts to kick out when he just needs to go up and try to score the ball. And that is something that really has to change. The Pistons are a dreadful scoring team. And when they have what should be uh, somewhat efficient looks, when their point guards attacking room, he has to take those opportunities instead of kicking out to a team that's been one of the worst three-point shooting rosters in history. Uh, so that's my little bit on Killian Hayes. There are progressions there, but he's still far too passive. But two guys that I really was expecting to see play a much bigger role on this team in a positive manner were Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart. And I know that I was probably one of – I wasn't like down on Isaiah Stewart but I was always probably the most cautious about him. I just was struggling to buy into a six, eight center that wasn't a primarily good shooter or floor spacer. Like he doesn't really hit made mid range shots or three point shots. You know, he plays good interior defense. He plays with energy. He hustles, but he's just limited by some of the size and the lack of speed on the perimeter defending. Uh, and this year it's just, it almost seems like kind of like you mentioned, Sadiq Bay has regressed. I kind of feel like Isaiah Stewart has regressed in a sense. I mean, these shots that he is taking at the rim, he gets plenty of opportunities, whether it's Kate Cunningham or Killian Hayes or Jeremy Grant setting him up. And it just doesn't seem like he's confident at the rim. He just tends to rush his shots and he just throws these awkward looking attempts up at the rim where He's not squaring himself to the basket. He's not trying to hit the center of the glass. Like He's not doing just really basic fundamental basketball things. And I'm not sure what necessarily is the cause about that. I mean, I don't remember him being great at it in his rookie season, but it feels like it's gotten worse this year, or it's at least uh, something that's more eye-popping to me in the way that he is just kind of tossing the ball at the rim and it doesn't look natural. It's not going well for him he's not scoring efficiently inside and he's giving away baskets that the Pistons really need and I just have a lot of concerns about him he's not the springy center that the Pistons need I know that we make our jokes about it all the time myself included but someone like Andre Drummond 
would actually make a relatively large difference oh, on this God. roster just because of the ability to run the pick and roll. He's a guy that can finish lob attempts. He can get you second chance opportunities. And that's something that Isaiah Stewart really doesn't provide. And when he's not spacing the floor either, it's just tough to see the, the brightest future for him with this team. I think it's becoming more apparent that as of now, he's going to end up being a bench big. And I know that's harsh. I know it's still young into the season and he's going to have all the opportunity in the world to change that opinion, but it's been a really rough start to the year for him. And uh, I'm concerned with where he's trending. Uh, I'll go into Sadiq Bay. Now, this is a guy, again, you said he regressed and I, I just don't understand how this is happening. I do think his shooting is going to have to somehow come back to life. I mean, this is a guy that took, a lot of attempts last year, and he was a 38% three-point shooter in his rookie season, primarily just shooting three-pointers. He didn't have the most versatile shot chart in his rookie season. I mean, this is a guy that shot 38% on six and a half three threes per game, and he only took 10 field goals a game last year. So he was taking more threes than two-pointers, and this year he's still taking right around six and a half threes a game. And he's down almost 9%. He's under 30% from the three-point line. And I think that that's something that's going to have to kind of figure itself out, kind of like Frank Jackson going through his three-point shooting drought. That's starting to turn around. It can be Bay trying to figure out his role in the offense, the new basketball, just getting his legs under him to start the season. But, I mean, hey, they're 20 games into the year now, and you know these are this is still an issue for Sadiq Bay. I mean, he's shooting – under 30% from the three-point line, he's shooting just 42.5% from inside the arc, and it's just not all there for him either. I, I don't know if he needs to go to the bench and be used as one of the lead guys in the secondary unit and Detroit maybe start someone like Frank Jackson or Hamadou Diallo, but it's just not all there for Sadiq Barrett now, and that's really unfortunate because there's all the opportunity in the world for him to be one of the key scorers, one of the key players on this team. I mean, he averages over 13 shot attempts per game. So he's getting the looks, but he's just not hitting them right now. And it's not like he's made major jumps in his other facets of the game. His assists are up, but his turnovers are up. His defense is solid, but it's not at that level where you can, you know, take the struggles on offense because he plays so well defensively. I mean, he's an average defender right now. And these two guys are supposed to be key parts of the Pistons' future. They both had successful rookie seasons. They both made all-rookie team. But they have really struggled out of the gates to start this year. And I think both of their futures are a little murky right now in terms of where they stand as part of the Pistons' core. But it's a long season, and with the way that this roster is constructed, both these guys are going to have enough time to work themselves out of the, the struggle. I, I guess that's the, the best, brightest spin I can put on it. So, so, Aaron, I'm glad you brought up Frank Jackson while talking about Sadiq Bay because I think he's very indicative of the problems that Sadiq is, is facing right now, primarily a lack of confidence. That's the number one thing I see when I look at Sadiq Bay versus somebody like Frank Jackson, where Frank Jackson also started off very slow up until I spoke it into existence that he would start hitting threes again. Um, and the difference, though, is that 
Frank Jackson at no point in this season has lost confidence in his shot. At no point was he turning down threes, open or otherwise. At no point was he going out there and pump faking and trying to do stuff that that just obviously was not in his bag because he didn't have the belief in himself in order to go out there and just hit those jumpers. When I look at Sadiq Bey, last night was a really, I mean, I, I don't want to say the word good example because it was a terrible, terrible performance from him. But it was very indicative of how he's played this season. Turning down open threes, dribbling into more difficult shots. He just looks like a player that does not mentally have it right now. And that's very surprising for me because, Aaron, you've, you've hit on it. During their rookie seasons, both him and Isaiah Stewart definitely looked like key pieces of the future for this Detroit team. Look, if Sadiq Bey can't get it, can't, can't get his mentality right, I don't see why he should continue to start and be getting, you know, 25 to 30 minutes a game. I don't really see why he should. With Isaiah Stewart, Mike, you'll remember this, when over the summer we were discussing, hey, where are the Pistons going to fall in the lottery? I was a huge proponent of taking Evan Mobley number two if they fell there or number three, if he fell there, because of this very reason of what we're seeing from Isaiah Stewart right now. He's not a starter in the league. And I've seen people kind of push back on that by saying, well, you're willing to give Killian time, you're willing to give Sadiq time, you're willing to give Cade time, why won't you give Isaiah Isaiah time? And the answer is because the physical tools are not there. He's just not that guy. And that's okay. At six foot eight, what, 250 pounds, not a lot of hops. He is what he is. He He's maybe a rich man's Jason Maxiel. And that's all right from a guy you got, you know, midway through the first rounds. But the expectations just need to, to shift a little bit for him, I think. Uh, you know, I'm glad you also brought up that point about Killian Hayes, Aaron, because last night was another example of, both the good things he does and the bad things he does. In the first quarter, you saw him absolutely stonewall Russ on a drive into the paint, made him put up an air ball. It was awesome. And you could actually see the rest of the team feeding off of that energy on defense. They were hustling. He made that unbelievable pass out to Jeremy Grant for a wide open three. And I have to say, I loved the energy after that. Like you could see Killian was so happy that he made it, did a little skip running down the floor, Those are the type of things I think he brings to this team. But on the other hand, you also see the downsides when in the last 30 seconds of the game, the Pistons desperately need a three and, you know, they miss one, they get the rebound, toss it back out to Killian and he turns it down so he can swing it out. And it's like, no, dude, you're the guy who has to take that shot. I love the unselfishness, but you have to have a realization that, This is a team that's not scoring. And at a certain point as the point guard, as one of the lead guards on this squad, you have to step up. you got to be that guy. And there's no better time to be that guy than with 30 seconds left down by four. you got to do it. And he's just not doing it right now. Uh, On the other hand, though, nobody on this team is doing it right now. So uh, it's... It's hard not to get into a rant about this team. I think you guys would agree when you just start talking, it's hard to stop talking because there's 
so many issues with so many players in so many ways. And not only are those issues apparent, they're very obvious. It's very clear what the problems are. It's very clear that they're not getting solved, but the answers are not readily available to you. And so, man, I feel like Sisyphus at a certain point. I'm just rolling this rock up the hill and it just keeps on falling down and crushing me underneath it. This team is crushing me, gentlemen. Yeah, it's, hmm. it is certainly bad. And I was one of the people in the offseason saying that this was a Charlotte Hornets type jump team waiting to happen. They had the savvy veteran forward. They had the young guards. They had, they had the makings of what I thought was a team that'd be really freaking annoying to play on a February night. Mike, because if I may interrupt would, for yeah. So, sorry, I was just gonna say I, the difference between those two teams is that the Hornets took their results last year and they turned that confidence up to eleven. The Pistons took their results from last year and just cratered. There, there's no confidence. Nobody on their roster has any confidence other than maybe Cade and Jeremy Grant. So it's just like, what happened to the mentality of this squad? It's, it, you know, it's really interesting. And Aaron touched on, you know, two, the two players that coming into this year, the vibes could not have been better. They were both part of Team USA. They were both, you know, not high first-round picks. They were quality picks. They looked like steals from Troy Weaver. I mean, they look like absolute steals with you, you know, skill sets that have a specific role on a good team between shooter and, um, you know, Isaiah Stewart being sort of a little, a little bit of a lightning rod off, off the bench. I agree. Isaiah Stewart's not a starter. Uh, he doesn't, I, I feel like his absolute highest ceiling right now is probably like a light version of Tristan Thompson that is just going to come in and bang around and, you know, probably not get hurt, get some rebounds, be a little bit feisty and, you know, getting offensive boards and stuff and providing energy that way. And Sadiq Bay is just, I mean, I'm looking at the field goal percentages (laughs) and starting at the bottom three out of the four worst field goal percentages so far this year is Killian Hayes, Kate Cunningham and Sadiq Bay. They're all shooting under 36%, 36.3%. And that's for myriad of reasons. And that may have to do with somebody that we're going to talk about later in Dwayne Casey. And you have to think about the energy. I mean, where does the energy start? Does the energy start by getting a win? Does the energy start from the coaching staff? Does the energy start by, you know, Kate Cunningham just busting out one of those games where a, a number one pick typically just goes haywire and just puts the team on his back? You know, what, what's going to be the igniting force? Cause you're, you're definitely right. There is something critical missing from this team. And it, it certainly could be a lack of confidence I mean, based on some of the offensive showings that we've seen in the last month, it does not look good from an offensive perspective. Basically, nothing looks that good. I'm looking at 
cleaning the glass right now in the month of November is a lot of blue and a lot of blue on cleaning the glass is not a good thing. Guys, I don't know exactly where they're going to have that spark lit. I, I listed off of a, you know, a couple of reasons, but we're, we're going to get into Dwayne Casey later. Is, is confidence the issue right now? Is that all that it is? Or, or is there something deeper? Is, I mean, we know the roster is flawed. I think we knew that coming into the season that they had a severe lack of bigs. They didn't have a rim runner. They didn't have enough shooting. Is, is there something deeper plaguing this team or, or is it simply a, you know, they will regress back up towards the mean as the season goes on. Confidence is certainly a factor, but it is not the primary issue. And I think we have to look at how this roster was constructed this off season the Pistons and Troy Weaver decided to trade away someone like Mason Plumley, who was the starting center last year, allowed Stewart to come off the bench until Stewart worked his way into the starting lineup last season. It was a nice one-two combo to have at the center spot. Plumley was a more springy big, was there in the pick and roll for lob opportunities. I mean, we saw him and Killian Hayes develop a really nice chemistry together, running the pick and roll, getting some energetic momentum building alley-oops and dunks down low for Plumlee and Plumlee just provided a steady hand at that spot. You knew he was going to get you some baskets. You knew he was going to rebound well, and you knew he was going to be a factor at the rim and on the one, one once in a while off night or foul trouble night, then you had someone like Isaiah Stewart to turn to. And this Pistons team just doesn't have that type of consistency, not just at the center spot, but across the roster. This team on a nightly basis doesn't know where it's going to get its scoring from. You know, there are nights, and they're more common than they were last year, that Jeremy Grant has an abysmal shooting game, and he's just not in it. And they're not getting the 22 points that he averaged per game. They're not getting the three-point shooting that is vital to this team. And they don't have enough shot makers across the board to fill up for that. Pay Cunningham, while he's had some nice performances and he does a lot of good things, one thing he has not done efficiently is score the basketball. So you're not getting a, a big scoring output and efficiency output from him either. We've already talked about the struggles of the other three starters scoring the ball in Hayes Bay and Stewart. And off the bench, the only guy that you, you know is going to probably consistently get you eight to 12 points considering the minutes he gets is Frank Jackson. Now, Hamadou Diallo has done some nice things. Trey Lyles most recently has shrunk together some nice games, but this is a team that just quite simply doesn't have enough scoring. It's part of the reason why they have one of the worst offenses in the league. They just don't have enough guys that put the ball in the hole consistently enough. There are also the turnover issues. There are the confidence issues, but I just think this team is missing some some key components across the board that have limited the potential of this group. And it's, it's, I, I mean, it's, it's concerning. It is. It's terrible. You know, Aaron, you're totally right. When you say, you know, Trey Lyles is the only player right now who's giving you really anything offensively in terms of consistency and in terms of efficiency. And that's not as, as much of, a me saying a nice thing about Trey Lyles as it is an indictment on the rest of this roster because I mean look where is it going to come from 
Mike, you brought it up. Where is it going to come from? Where is the improvement going to come from? Because as of right now, I'm looking at Sadiq Bay, and I'm not going to, I do not think that a regression to the positive mean is by any stretch. Like, I do not think that that is a guaranteed uh, thing by any, by any means. At this point, the only saving grace I could maybe see for the Pistons is that Cade has kind of a Anthony Edwards after the all-star break last year, kind of, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of, kind of like learning, coming into his own because he needs that right now. He's not scoring the ball efficiently. Uh, He's still turning the ball over way too much, but these are things that one, you kind of expect from a rookie point guard, especially one who's not a hyper athlete. And two, wouldn't be so big of a deal if they didn't so desperately need him to be the guy right now. And that is really the issue. And the one that I think that as this season continues to progress is going to be the one that we're going to have to address, which is Troy Weaver's roster construction. Um, It's, I'm sorry, gentlemen, right now it is an F. It is a big old F if you take away the Cade Cunningham selection for this last offseason. It has not worked out at all, at all. And we've kind of said these things for, you know, when they did make these signings, what we said was, well, you know, we might disagree with these signings. We might not like them, but really the signings that matter are the ones that happen next year and the year after that, because that's when the Pistons have max money to throw around. That's when that Blake Griffin contract comes off the book. That's when Jeremy Grant's contract comes off the book. What you have to look at though, is like, why would any, why would any free agent sign with this roster as of right now? Why would any major free agent sign with this roster? There's no real upside here. So it's very concerning. Um, in just every single aspect from the front office on down. No upside is, mm, I mean, it's, it's still 20 games into a season. Mike, and Mike where are you going to get it from? Four, we understand they're four and 16 and, and there's not going to be huge drastic changes that are going to come out of thin air. And, you know, we certainly get that. I mean, maybe it is a matter of, changing a coach and reigniting the fire. I mean, unfortunately, that's that's what happens for a lot of teams across many major sports. When they need to change, the coach is the first one out the door. And we've talked about Dwayne Casey in the hot seat for like two years now, maybe three, it seems. And, you know, this is probably the year where we're looking at it like, yeah, you know, you probably need a more, you know, less of a like stabilizer coach and more of a, um, you know, player building coach um Dwayne hired to lead a rebuild he can do it did it in Toronto but that's not what he was brought in to do either so maybe that's what reignites the team a little bit now if okay guys if, if any of you have basketball reference open put it off to the side for just a moment who other than Jamarco Pickett who has a perfect 1000 or rather a 100% three point shooting percentage who leads the pistons in three-point shooting killian hayes ah no wait is it is it is it is it trey lyles now guys it's killian hayes oh it is still killian thank god for that (laughs) the guy who 
can't shoot, won't shoot, leads the team in three-point percentage, 36.8%. It's on a pathetic two-and-a-half attempts game. But he leads the team in three-point percent. Is 36.8% even league average anymore? Hasn't the league average jumped to, like, 38? I I think it's almost exactly league average. But it's – yeah, it's – I mean, dude, it's it's, it's awful. (laughs) It's – it's actually starting. Luca Garza is, you know, second. And Kelly Olenek is third. And this, this kind of leads into the roster construction a little bit as well. There's just not enough shooting. There's not enough shooting. There's not a big that you feel confident in to, you know, run with any of these point guards. There's, there's not a big that, you know, I feel comfortable running a pick and roll with. Maybe a pick and pop with Kelly Olenek stretch the floor, but we're going to get – quickly in the roster construction talk. And that's a very important component. This offense just looks dull, guys. What you say it just looks dull. But do you know what isn't dull? That's light bulbs. And I just got a big box of them today, as a matter of fact. Yes, say goodbye to dull gifts. Light box, lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year, maybe even brighter than my lights. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques They've cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup as natural diamonds, but they're just grown in the lab. Because of their process, we can, they can create stones in blush pink, beautiful blue as well, like classic white. Light box lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit Sparkle, so visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday season. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. Unlike the Pistons, which are full of dull moments at every turn. Folks, did you hear that, folks? He just did a double segue. He segued into the read, and then he segued out of it. That is why why we paid Mike the big bucks. There's no (laughs) other way to say it. That's why he is the multimillionaire he is today. Because of segues like that, my goodness, Lightbox, whatever you're paying us, it ain't enough. Actually, it's fine. <laughs> please don't, please don't pull the sponsorship. Uh, but but oh, seriously, no. no, it is dull. You're absolutely <laughs> right, Mike. And I think that the question there becomes like, look, is it dull because of Troy Weaver's roster, or is it dull because of Dwayne Casey's coaching? And at first, early on in the season, my initial thought was, well, it's the coach. It's got to be because why has everybody regressed so badly? Now that we're getting a little more into it, I'm not so sure that that's the case. And I'm interested to hear what, Aaron, what you have to say on this, because look, look I've been very critical of Dwayne Casey so far. Um, he is, I believe, one of the more popular choices among sports books to be one of the co- first coaches dismissed uh, this season, but I don't think he should be fired. I don't think that this is on him enough to the point where you can say, Hey, they'd be a good team. If Dwayne Casey wasn't the head coach, I don't think you can say that. I don't see an available head coach out there that you could pull in off the streets that would win this team more than what one extra game, maybe two at the most. I think right now, even though Dwayne Casey is the guy in the hot seat, Troy Weaver is the one who should be 
having some some doubts thrown his way right at the moment because I don't really see what any head coach could do to fix this roster right at the moment. Yeah, the the first thing that I always say when someone says a coach should be fired is who are you replacing him with? Do you have a list of guys that are ready to step in, can come in and immediately make changes and improvements to this team? Because otherwise, firing the coach in the middle of the season is a very tough look. And I don't think all of the the heat and all of the troubles that the Pistons have had are on the shoulders of Dwayne Casey. I will say that I have not agreed with some of the things he has done, primarily his rotations. But I think it's easy to always find an issue with a coach's rotation and who he plays, when he plays them, that kind of thing. Everyone has a different opinion on that type of thing, but it seems like there is the majority feels that there is an issue with that. That's been a problem. I just don't love the offense that this team is running. They're getting away from some of the stuff that they did last year that allowed them to be at least a little bit better scoring the basketball. I feel like a broken record saying this, but Jeremy Grant just doesn't need the ball up at the high post 10 times a game, whatever it is. He doesn't. He's not that type of self-creator, especially when his self-creation tends to lead into him pulling up for a mid-range jump shot or him throwing himself into contact at the rim when he usually does not get foul calls. I don't know if it's because he's just not a star and only stars get those type of calls, but Jeremy Grant does not get calls when he goes to the basket. And a lot of his shots are mid-range pull-ups and him throwing the ball up at the rim, wildly driving at it. And that is not going to score you the basketball. But on the flip side, the Pistons do get a lot of good looks. Statistically, they do get good shot opportunities. They just quite simply don't make them. And that's not on Dwayne Casey. Sadiq Bey shooting 30% is not on Dwayne Casey. Frank Jackson, although he is now starting to come out of the struggle, but shooting the ball as poorly as he did throughout the first 15 or so games is not on Dwayne Casey. These are things that the Pistons have just been historically bad shooting the ball, and that's just not always on the coach. The players are responsible for making the shot. I I think the offense gets way too stagnant at this time. There's not enough off-ball movement. No one ever cuts to the basket. I mean, this team literally never looks to cut to the rim off the ball. And that is a major problem because you just have, that's how you get these possessions where Jeremy Grant's on the right high post and to the left of him, Killian Hayes is in the corner. Kate Cunningham is on the wing and Sadiq Bay standing at the top. And there's just no movement. No one's going to be open for Jeremy Grant to kick it out to. There's not going to be any space. Guys aren't going to be, defenders aren't going to be moving around because everyone is just kind of standing there. And there's just so many problems that are not just on Dwayne Casey. The roster construction, another thing, not particularly on the head coach. That's on the front office who's signing the players, trading the players, drafting the players. And again, Dwayne Casey is 
not had a shining season. Now, I don't think anyone's going around saying Dwayne Casey is the coach of the year. He's doing a phenomenal job, but nobody in the locker room has talked poorly about Dwayne Casey. There have been one, one instance where there's seemingly been a problem, and that's with Hamadou Diallo. And obviously he's come out, he's gotten his opportunity, and he's made the most of it. He's probably one of the safer guys in the rotation in this current moment. But nobody's talking bad about him. He has the respect of the guys. He is known as a player's coach, and that speaks very strongly. I mean, there are obviously coaches that cannot command the respect of the locker room, and we see how those situations play out. Luke Walton, one of those guys, just lost his job. There are countless other coaches that have come and gone, and because their locker room doesn't support him, they're not going to play to their best ability. And while the Pistons certainly aren't playing to their best ability, it's not because they don't support Dwayne Casey and they don't respect him as a coach. I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm certainly not fighting Dwayne Casey right now. He has had his issues, but you're not going to go out and find someone in the middle of the year that can come in, take over this poor of a roster and make it look 10 times better. I, exactly. That's just where I'm at right now. No, that's, that's exactly is that they don't just have one problem they have every problem <laughs> and and there is just firing Dwayne Casey is not a solution to really any of those problems other than maybe the rotations uh, I mean Jeremy Grant didn't come into the game last night a winnable game against the Lakers on the road did not come back into the game until what like four minutes left in the fourth quarter it's like 356 356 I swear it was something like that um, it was under four minutes and it was bizarre. He was the only guy who was actually able to go out and get the Pistons a bucket last night. Uh, but a big problem of that is like, also he's miscast right now because he's doing a lot of the things, or at least he's asked to do a lot of the things that Mason Plumley did for this team last year in the high post where Mason Plumley would get those would get it. And, you know, Sometimes he would go and try and score. Sometimes he'd do a DHO, but most of the time he was trying to pass the ball. That's not Jeremy Grant's game at all. Uh, and, you know, Mason Plumlee was able to find cutters last year. Well, one of the guys you want cutting to the basket is Jeremy Grant because he's one of your most athletic players. But now you're asking him to play in the high post, which is not his game. Um, and unlike Mason Plumlee, who was trying to distribute, he's trying to score. So it stagnates your ball movement. It puts your best scorer in a worst position to score. And it completely throws your offense out of bat, out of, out of whack. There's no balance to this team. That's something that, you know, if you watch soccer, you'll hear commentators talk about the balance of a squad. It's important to have players that link the defense to the offense and the Pistons do not have any balance on their team right now. There is nobody other than Cade and Killian to a slight, slight extent, but he's not looking to score. Other than Cade, there's really not anybody on this roster right now who can provide continuity from the defensive end of the floor to the offensive end of the floor. And you're seeing it because it's just stagnant. It's dull. It's lifeless. Players look like they don't, really have any idea what they're supposed to do or if they even have been told to do anything at all and it's such a drastic change from last year that you have to wonder why that is the case 
And for me, I just think it is a combination of one natural regression two, a coach playing players in roles that they're not meant to be in, which takes them away from roles that they should be playing in. And three, it's a roster that forces your coach to make those decisions in the first place. So yeah, I'm not firing Dwayne Casey because like you've said, Aaron, who else is coming in? And two, because there are just too many issues with this team in general for me to look at him and say, you're the issue, you're the problem, you need to go. And that's what's going to put us on a better path because I'm just being honest, man. I don't have the answers and I haven't seen anyone else that does have the answers. And that's, what's really concerning to me. Yeah. I, I don't think that you can fire Dwayne Casey either. Um, Cause it comes back down to roster construction and maybe we should dedicate a podcast to Troy Weaver and his decision-making. I think you can put Dwayne Casey on the hot seat, but until you have a Chris Finch esque guy ready and maybe that's in the, you know the middle of the season like the Timberwolves did a player development guy because this is a this is a developing team I mean there's no mistake about it this is a this is about as raw of a team as it gets Houston can probably well Houston or Orlando I guess could really you know make a run for that as well but this is a raw team with almost no identity and maybe that's enticing to an upcoming coach. But right now, you, you can't fire Dwayne Casey because you don't have that guy ready to step in. I will say he was in the list of coaches that the sports book predicted would be let go before the end of last season. And all the coaches around him were let go. Scott Brooks, Ryan Saunders, Luke Walton, Steve Clifford, Terry Stotts. Lloyd Pierce, but yet he survived along with Mike Budenholzer. Uh, um, turns out winning a championship changes everything. Um, fellas, I'll be honest, I, I am still in a wait-and-see mode. I know it's doom and gloom for most people, but I'm, I'm still in a wait-and-see mode. I mean, I think one good game of where the young guys just kind of come together and Killian Hayes plays well and Kate Cunningham plays well and you know, Isaiah Stewart looks looks okay. I I think that this will start to ease things a little bit. And honestly, Cage is playing really well, like the number one overall pick should. It's probably going to be more than enough for me to think, oh, okay, that's that's the building block. You start there and you work your way around. I mean, look, I don't think that Sadiq Bey is a, I don't know what he's shooting now, like 29% from three. I I don't think that's, that's where he's going to be at for his – career. I don't think that his first year was a fluke. Maybe a little bit and he's going to regress a little bit, but I think he will come back to somewhere in the middle of where he's at now shooting-wise and where he was last year. He'll he'll come to some okay equilibrium. Maybe we oversold him a little bit as just a huge steal like we thought, but I can't possibly be as bad as it is right now. I mean, I guess it could be because this is Detroit sports. And there are no bounds for bad, but it just feels like he's going to play better. And, you know, same thing with Killian and Kate. I mean, yeah, they're not shooting the ball that well now, but they're 20 and 19 respectively with a coach that does not have, an, you know, any offensive identity right now. I mean, 
I think we need to let things play out a little bit longer. As difficult as that is and as hard as they are to watch, they still almost beat the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, when the brouhaha happened, which we haven't talked about at all uh, since it happened. And they were hanging around yesterday, too, playing like absolute garbage. Yeah, there's no reason to, you know, put the panic, press the panic button right now. They're 20 games into the season. This is a rebuilding team. And it's been ugly. It's been bad. It's not been the same as last year where the team was bad, but they were competing and you could see the growth game in and game out. But you're 20 games into the year and there's 60 games left to play. If you're at game 64 or whatever, and we're still having these same issues, then yeah, it's probably a different story, but you're not making rash decisions 20 games in you have to expect that there's going to be some sort of turnaround for some of these players, much like we're starting to see Frank Jackson shoot the ball, score the ball better. You would imagine those things are going to turn around for some of the other players on the roster. So making any rash decisions right now would probably be pretty ill-informed and as tough as it is right now, the Pistons have to keep pressing on and the people that have to watch the Pistons on a nightly basis have to keep pressing on. Oh, do we really? Oh, God. We really do. And and that's <laughs> painful, I know. Oh, boy. Oh, so, boy. I, Aaron, I, boy, I sure hope we are not talking about these same problems 64 games in because I don't know how many more I can take, man. It. I do feel like we get on this pod every week and we unfortunately are still talking about the same thing as we were the week before. So, it's it's tough right now, man. It's really tough. All, I, I just, look, all I need is for the concrete king of Detroit, Chris Illich, to go out there, sign Carlos Correa, bring me a little joy into my life because, oh, man. Oh, boy, oh, man. <laughs> this is hard. No, I, I had some family pushing for the Lions to win on Thanksgiving. Uh, yes, there were monetary reasons behind it, but still. We were pushing for the Lions to win, and I really thought that they were actually going to. If if there was a game that they were going to win, it was that one against another horrible Chicago Bears team. Uh, fellas, we have clawed through the only two topics we had. Do we want to talk a little bit about no. some ways that I can't. the Pistons can improve their roster? Mike, I have a show I need to go to, and frankly, if we keep talking about the Pistons, I might start crying, and I don't want to do that in public again for the third time this week. So I'm I'm good. If you're good, I'm real good. You know, we could probably do another 40 minutes on this topic, so it would probably be best that we save this for another time at this point because we just talked for damn near an hour about Dwayne Casey and a couple players on the roster. So, And we're alive to tell the tale. We made it. I mean, there, there, there is blood coming on my nose, but, but we're fine and everything's fine. Um, like, like we said, 20 games in, they've lost six, you know, in a row. Yes. It's a little bit kind of dreary out, but so is the weather and that kind of matches it. I will say, I think, and I'm going to be hopeful here, you know, the Pistons had a gauntlet of a schedule to start the year too. I mean, whoever made the schedule has it out for the Detroit Pistons. And, you know, 
they're going to get, let's see, they get the Blazers. They get the Suns. Wouldn't that be something if the Pistons are the ones to end that winning streak? That would be fun. They get the Thunder. That's something they would do. I know. That is something that they would do is they come out gangbusters and like smoke smoke the Suns. They'd beat the Suns and then lose back-to-back to the Pelicans and Thunder. Yeah, they would. Or they would like, uh, you know, beat the Nets or something. Um, this, it's not necessarily that the schedule lightens. I, I guess it gets a little bit easier, but Mike, Mike, here's I'm the still thing the schedule. No, the schedule thing is like the the NBA has never been deeper. The schedule is never really going to get easy. That's the thing. There's something like 20 good teams in this league, and 10 really, really bad ones. Um, so. Look, people who are looking at the schedule and saying, oh, well, you know, it'll get easier, it'll get easier. Nah, it really won't. It, it's not going to get easier, actually. It's going to continue to be really hard. Uh, so that's a byproduct, uh, yeah. too, of the expanded playoffs is now you have more people who are buying and fewer, fewer yeah. teams are actually selling. There's, there's no reason to believe that the schedule is going to be what saves the Pistons. It's Going oh, to have to no, be. I'm not insinuating like, that was no, and, and like I said, it they're going to need that Anthony Edwards second half jump from Cade. Otherwise, I I don't see anything changing anytime last, soon. Last point before we let you go, so that you don't have to cry in public. Last small bit: Is there a lineup change that you think the Pistons should be exploring this very second? Is it Jeremy Grant at the five? Uh, they should absolutely be trying to play Saban Lee a little bit more. Uh, the other thing that I think that could really help them, honestly, is make Frank Jackson, Kate Cunningham, um, and uh, uh, Killian Hayes their three-guard three lineup in case of emergency. Get Sadiq Bey out of there. He doesn't have the confidence right now. You need somebody who can and will shoot the ball when they need to, and Frank Jackson's that guy. So if there was one small rotation change I would make, it wouldn't be putting Frank into the starting lineup over Sadiq Bay, but if the Pistons at any point are falling behind by 12, 15, 18 points, that should be the three guards that they have in the game. Those should be the three guys because they're the only ones who are able to a pass rebound and shoot the ball. Um, other than that, I don't really know what else you could do to be honest. Yeah. This roster is kind of strong for a bunch of different, looked but I'm all for Frank Jackson getting more opportunity now that he's shooting the ball better I would be interested in seeing Sadiq Bay going to the bench and seeing how that works for a couple games and honestly probably the day Kelly Olenek can return he probably needs to be in the starting lineup uh, at this point but that's not going to be for a while anyway so as I mentioned earlier more time for Isaiah Stewart to hopefully figure it out and show that he can be more than what he has been, which has not been great. Okay. Guys, that was a successful podcast, I think. Um, Some tough conversations. It's just not an easy time to be rooting for the Detroit Pistons. It's just not. And I really thought that it was going to be a fun year with Kate Cunningham to be a Pistons fan. Can't wait till Marvin Bagley is available to be traded, I guess. That's going to be the next thing that we're all waiting 
before. Okay, he, that's my sign to go. I, I, him and Kemba Walker. I couldn't even couldn't even get through that. Or yeah, or or they'll sign the uh, eventual, um, you know, soon to be ex Piston or ex Nick uh, Kemba Walker after he was taken out of the uh, rotation. Yeah, tough to be a Pistons fan, but still have to try to find some of the positives. And at the end of the day, this is a very young, talented uh, roster. And, you know, Jasper, I think you kind of put it perfectly at the beginning is that even though they were playing really poorly, shooting really poorly, making bad mistakes, we still all watched them last night against the Lakers because it kind of looked like maybe, maybe they could pull it out. They just hung around long enough. And maybe they would win. They didn't, but you know, those are the things we'll have to hang our hat on for a little bit until until something inevitably, inevitably changes. Um, fellas, great podcast. We will be back next week uh, with hopefully something more positive to talk about. Uh, fellas, any closing thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's gonna be another week. We'll uh, see how the Pistons reform on their lovely <laughs> West Coast trip that we get every year. It's a little bit shorter this time. I think last year was like five or six games. I think this year it's like three or I think four maybe. But don't love the 10 o'clock, 1030 no. start times. Those are the bane of my existence as an aging old man. Um, so oh, for God's sake, we'll see how much <laughs> of the Pistons I watch over these next few days. Yikes. Well, you're right. I mean, it's the same thing with me too. It's like, I don't really, I don't really have any uh, desire to stay up too, too late, but if, uh, if I can watch some extra West coast basketball, I guess I could try Aaron Jasper left us. So it's just you and I, um, we could talk about Kemba Walker. <laughs> we could also thank God Jasper's gone. That guy sucks. But I know how who <laughs> let him into the chat. <laughs> Uh, no, can't wait to sorry, do Jeff. this all again. In, in another, this is going to be a test to see if he actually listens to the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> did you listen to yourself talk? Exactly. I personally have a hard time listening to myself talk. It's just oh, I can't do it. I've just never liked my voice. I always it always starts. And I'm like, no, no, I I can't. I can't yep. do it. Hundred percent. All right, Aaron. Well, we will talk about Kemba Walker maybe another time. We have been on this podcast for a while. Pistons fans, thank you all for joining us very much. Even if you're not a Pistons fan, for some reason you want to learn about a 4-16 and team with a pretty underwhelming first overall pick so far, we welcome you. Um, and we hope you'll join us again for the next edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. For my co-hosts, Jasper Apollonia and Darren Johnson, I am Mike Angolano. Thank you so much for joining us on this last edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. We will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.